This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is Afternoons on Dubai Eye 103.8. I'm Helen Farmer. Fantastic to have you with us on the Afternoons with Helen Farmer podcast. We've got some amazing experts across a whole range of subjects, starting with dating. Meeting the Real Life Hitch award-winning author, it's Paul C. Brunson. He is the love guru, taking my questions and yours on finding connection when you're dating online, love languages, and how to future-proof your relationship. We were having a men's health roundtable with some really incredible initiatives right here in the UAE. And it was Dr. Haroon Mann who was on hand for your live orthopaedic clinic. He has been called the love guru, the real life version of Will Smith's hit movie Hitch, best-selling author. He even has his own show on the own network. Yes, that's Oprah's network. Today he's coming to us live from the UK where he's currently advisor on the TV show Married at First Sight. Paul Brunson is live on the line. I am so in awe of you, sir. Thank you for spending some time with us this afternoon. How are you? I tell you what, I am phenomenal. It's an honor to spend time with you. And can I say, just looking in the studio... This is a very impressive studio you have Thank there in you Dubai. Thank you very much. This is a very you, nice studio. Paul, come to Dubai. People need your help here. Judging by the messages I've had on my Instagram, on the text line, we are a city in need of hooking up. So let's talk matchmaking because you've been called one of the most influential matchmakers in the world. How did you get started and how have you reached that accolade? Oh, wow. You know, it's an honor to be titled that. And that was from what was called the Matchmaking Institute, but they've now changed their name to the Global Love Institute. So shout out to everybody uh, from the Global Love Institute. I appreciate that title. In terms of how I got started, uh, I was a I used to be an investment banker, (laughs) which I call the greediest profession in the world. Uh, But uh, that's what I did for a long time. And I just uh, my heart wasn't in it. And right around the same time, I had a summer camp where I was doing tutorial services for kids that were coming from low income households. And one of the questions that we would ask every child when they enter. Yeah. But we, we, we so we, we would ask these kids how many parents live in the household. And we found out that not one, not one out of 100 of the first batch of students we had had two parents living in the household. Um, And that's really what led me down this journey of the importance of nuclear family, the importance of marriage, the importance of committed relationships. Uh, And that was 2005, 2006, somewhere around there. Uh, And then I uh, then I launched into matchmaking and uh, I've never turned back. Are you keeping count of how many couples you have successfully matched, Paul? You know, I wish I I could. This is going to sound very. Uh, this is going to sound big ego, but you have to own. You know, you have to own your uh, your your greatness. Is what I tell everyone. Is I mean, it it surpasses any specific number that I can keep track of because there are people who I've directly matched. Mm-hmm. There are people who may read a book or watch a television show that I'm on, and then that becomes a bit of the seed to help them. Absolutely. So I, I don't know how many. I don't know. Do you believe in love at first sight? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. 
lust Absolutely. at first sight, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I believe in lust at first mm-hmm. sight. Yep. Uh, but I, I think love is, uh, is, is much greater. Uh, you know, what, what happens, and this touches upon the conversation around soulmates, is that, you know, I, I think that a soulmate is made, right? Mm-hmm. I think that love with someone, no pun intended, is made. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, it, 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 you have to move through various stages, but you can definitely feel lust for someone. You can definitely like someone fairly quickly, But love, I don't believe you can have that at first sight. Joining us live from the UK where he is a love coach on the TV show Married at First Sight, we've got Paul C. Brunson on the line and many a question for you as a bit of a dating guru. Um, I wanted to ask you about the apps because we've had a question here saying, how can you build genuine connection when you're dating through apps? Paul, this is a problem... That wasn't around when I was when I met my husband. We met on a blind date, and you have been married for twenty years. So tell us a little bit about how the world has changed when it comes to finding love in twenty twenty two, and how you can, as this messenger says, build a genuine connection. Yeah, th- this is a brilliant question because what we have to understand is that just fifteen years ago, the number one source for meeting a spouse was through work, it was through church, and it was through friends and family. And you fast forward to today, 80%, let me repeat that, 80% of all spouses are met through online, right? So it could be a social media platform or it could be a dating app. And we have to understand this is going to continue. So this question is really pertinent because we have to understand that right now online is the number one way to meet someone. So how do you make a meaningful connection? You meet lots of someones, right? This is how you do it. And I think there's three key strategies that I'd give. Number one is that understand that it's a dating app, but that doesn't mean you date on the app. (laughs) So what that means is that you want to move the person from you've just connected or you've just swiped right. You want to move them offline as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. Number two is that when you do meet someone, don't go out and meet them for an extravagant dinner date or extravagant day date that takes you three, four hours and hundreds of dollars or pounds or whatever it may be to prepare. Instead, meet someone for a short burst of time. Could be a quick coffee during the day for 15, 20 minutes. The reason why you want to do that is because you want to increase the number of people that you're meeting and you don't want to make every interaction feel like it's labor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you well, want to, well, you it's, know, it's so, an investment so, so. of time and money, isn't it? And everyone's so busy now. Um, so quick. So getting offline as quickly as possible, having a, a as you say, a pretty straightforward meeting. What worries me yeah. here about the kind of the volume of people that we're, you know, people are meeting is, do not, does that not feel a bit disposable? And then it's a case of, ah, oh, well, you know, they're not the one. So there's obviously, look, I'm scrolling through. There's this guy, there's this girl, there's, there's more choices out there. And maybe you're not then that committed to putting in the work. And as you say, kind of making that soulmate. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. You know, Barry Swartz wrote one of my favorite books called The Paradox of Choice. And he's the one who coined the phrase, more is less, right? And that's exactly what we're seeing right now. Mm -hmm. But the the reason why we have to understand is this is the day and age that we live in is because it's the day and age that we live in. We have this perception that we have an endless number of people that are available to us. So we have to understand that we do want to actually meet more of these people. Because the problem that we have is not that we're actually meeting these people, is that we think we have endless options. Do you, do you know what, actually, Helen, let me ask you a question. 
Do you know what the average number of dates that the average dater goes on per year? The average number of in-person dates. You know what that number is? I'm going to say 20. It is one. What? It is one. Now, there's some people who go on 50, 60, 70 dates, right? Per week, right? You <laughs> they got that broke. <laughs> <laughs> they have no money. Um, but the vast majority of people don't go on any. And that's the reason why it averages out to one. Wow. So we have to understand that, that the masses need to date more. I want to go to the text line. This is from Mark. He said, I went on a first date with a, with a girl last week and it was fun. But when I texted her the next day and said we should do it again, her reply was, you're really sweet and funny, but I'm on the fence about it because you could have been more romantic. So Mark's saying, my question is, how romantic should a guy be on the first date? And is she expecting it to be too much like a rom-com? <laughs> All right. Possibly. Well, Mark, let, me, let, me, let me cut right to the chase. Let me cut right to the chase. I think she's lying to you. <laughs> oh, Mark, you can hear I, his little heart breaking over the tax line. No, <laughs> I think I'm, she's I'm letting t- him down I'm, easy. She's letting him down easy. Here's, here's what I know. Here's the data. The data tells me that when you are physically attracted to your partner on the first date, you always want to see them on the second date. Always. No matter how you know unromantic, how boring, how whatever it may be, you always want to at least see them again. So what Mark, you know what I say? I say, you know what? She's not into you. It's all good. Get back on the app. Ask your friend to hook you up, whatever it may be. Go back out there. Date someone else. An interesting point from Patrick on the text line, Paul, saying, on top of which the guys expect to pick up the bill, which kind of adds up if it's always fancy dinners. What about first date etiquette? Where are people getting it wrong? What are expectations when it comes to paying? And what would your advice be? Yeah, you, you know, it's absolutely right. What's interesting is that when you survey most people today, they actually are interested in a split, not necessarily having the gentleman pay. And that's in, in, in heterosexual relationships. But here's what I would say. What I would say is you have to operate off of your values. Mm-hmm. Your values are your rule book to life. So if it is within your values to pay on the first date, or if it's within your values to be to have someone else pay for you on the first date, Always stay within that framework because ultimately you want to have someone who matches your values. A great, a great partner is someone who there's mutual physical attraction, they match your values, and there's a complement in personality. That's really interesting because, I, as I said, I met my husband on a blind date. We had friends set us up and I, we went out for dinner and he insisted on paying. But then I insisted on paying for drinks afterwards. And we both kind of left feeling like, OK, we both feel cool with how that, how that went. And obviously we're married now. So Um, a message here from Victoria saying, I love watching Paul. I'd love to hear him talking about the principle that men have to show strong masculine energy for the woman to show feminine energy as a woman who considers herself to be high value. How does one continue to be themselves without emasculating the man? Great question, Um, Victoria. Victoria, this is such a great question. We need five hours to unpack it. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> How do you feel about a minute and a half? <laughs> we, we, we need five hours. This is a challenge. I like a challenge. Uh, you know, on top of it, too, I love some of the terms Victoria is using, like high value, right? That's something that's very popular in evolutionary psychology. So, Victoria, bonus points to you on that. Um, here's the bottom line, right? The bottom line is that, and, and I think Victoria is talking about heterosexual relationships, right? Um, is the bottom line is that we have to understand that what masculinity is and what it's shown to be 
in pop culture. What it's shown to be in pop culture, quite honestly, is very toxic. It is aggressive um, and it is actually to the detriment of men and women. But instead, what I always say and what I what I kind of preach on, on in television is that you have to hold to your values. And I'm going to go back to, to my question or to my uh, previous point, because, for example, you could be in a relationship where you believe as the man, you believe you are head of household. Right. This is how you were. This is the type of relationship that you want. You want to be head of household, which means that ultimately you're making a lot of the final decisions now. If I were to, say, be dating someone and they have no interest whatsoever in the man being head of the household and they want 50-50 uh, decision-making power or they want to have uh, more decision-making power, well, then clearly we wouldn't work if that was my belief and that was, that was her belief. And this is the reason why it's not necessarily about particular energies that you're bringing. You know, it's not actually about high value, low value. It's really about what are your values? And I think one of the biggest issues that singles have is they haven't pre-identified what their values are mm -hmm. before they start dating. They, they then start dating, start to figure out what those values are, maybe even get married with the partner and realize they don't share the same values. And then they're in a terrible situation. So this is why you have to understand what your values are what your vision for a relationship is before. The best time to work on your relationship is before you enter the relationship. So some big conversations with yourself and then some big conversations with that person before you, before the ring goes on the finger. We are serving up some relationship advice. He has been called the love guru. He is a best-selling author, and he's speaking to us in the UK now. He's currently advisor on the TV show Married at First Sight. Paul Brunson is live on the line, taking my questions, but most importantly yours, and lots coming in on the text line, because what an opportunity to pick the brains and get the advice of the man himself. Now, I wanted to ask you about the love languages, because this is a book that is kind of significant in both of our relationships. When I got married, it was given to us in church um, as part of our marriage preparation course. And I know it's been significant in, uh, in your relationship too, Paul. For anyone who's not familiar, can you explain the concept and why you think it can be really powerful for couples? Absolutely. And can I say, I love that you did a pre-counseling course yeah. or a pre-marital uh, counseling course. I love that. It was very, love, love, it love was very insightful. We had to do a quiz that was like 20 questions and it was things like, um, <laughs> how much does your partner earn? Did they have a happy childhood? Um, and there, there were, let's just say there was one couple in the room and I was like, I'm pretty sure she knows what he earns, but maybe not much else. <laughs> it was really yeah. insightful. But yeah, we, so we talked about languages love. We also talked about conflict resolution. So this was all, this was, we had to do this. It was compulsory before we got married in that church. So kudos to Father Tim, if he's listening today. Um, but it, it, it is a really interesting concept for me. Um, there's also a book for kids, but for anyone who's not familiar with the five languages of love, why do you think it can be sure. so impactful? Sure, absolutely. So this is one of the best-selling uh, relationship books of all time. It's written by Dr. Gary Chapman, uh, who's an authority in the marriage space. And it really did change my marriage as well. I didn't read it before I got married. I wish I did. Uh, I read it into uh, the first itch, which is the two-year itch. It's kind of like a two, a five, and a seven-year itch. Uh, but right around that two-year itch, that's when uh, we had to read it. And what it does is it simply states this, is that 
we all receive love and give love in a specific language. And unless your partner knows what that language is, you'll never truly feel loved by them. So for example, one of the love languages is gifts, right? I didn't realize that when, because that's my wife's love language. I thought she was just spoiled. You know, I didn't think it was an actual language that she needed. Uh, and, and so I would hold back on the gifts because that was not how I was loved as a child. It was acts of service for me. And so once I recognized that that was her love language and started to show her love through gifts, she then understood how much I truly loved her. Mm -hmm. So it's a book that could change your life. Very simple concept, but yet very, very powerful. I think that's so important that you have that moment of realization that you perhaps are not going to be loved in the way that you expected. Um, And that doesn't take anything away from how much your partner loves you. They might just not demonstrate it in the way that you are used to receiving. So what is your love language, Paul? All right. So acts of service. Do something on my behalf. Interesting. Interesting. That is my level of See, I'm definitely physical touch. Um, I like to be, like, COVID was a nightmare for me because I would hug people in the supermarket. I'm very, very tactile. And to not have that opportunity was, I found it. They talked about this thing called like skin, like skin thirst and skin hunger. I really missed hugging people. And my husband is not very demonstrative. He's not a very tactile person. But his, he, he demonstrates his love through acts of service. So what I need Uh, to remind myself of is when he's researching like AstroTurf for two hours or is filling out (laughs) forms for the kids at school, that is him showing me that he loves me. And I'm like, could I get a hug as well? Would that be okay? (laughs) Yeah. But, but, you know, I, I love that though, because that's you also understanding and appreciating that he is actually showing you love when he's on the computer, you know, in the corner by himself, he's actually trying to demonstrate his love for you and for the family. So it's such an important concept. The five love languages. I recommend everyone to buy that book. Couldn't agree more. Um, Can we talk about the itch and what we can do to, to, I guess, kind of future proof our relationships? Um, You mentioned there, was it two, five, talk us through what we need to be aware of if we are entering into marriage and how we can hopefully overcome them. Yeah, absolutely. So around the world, roughly what the divorce rate is, is about 50%, right? Uh, And typically divorce happens in one of now four times in our relationship. The two-year itch, right? Two years into your relationship, five years, seven years. And what's becoming prevalent right now is called the empty nest itch, right? When your children have gone off to university or they moved out the house and then all of a sudden you look across and you say, oh my God, I don't even know you anymore. Who are are you? And we're going to have to live together for the next 30 years with no child in common to talk about? No, thank you. (laughs) No, thank you. Exactly. Exactly. Especially with that point that you mentioned, Helen, we're living longer, Mm. right? And, And so we have to ask ourselves, okay, how do we reduce the separation during that time. Here's the short answer. The short answer is just make sure you're doing something with your partner, right? When I say doing something with your partner, doing something so that your partner doesn't grow away from you. Mm-hmm. You want to, you're constantly growing, but you want to grow together. And the key to that glue is doing something. So that could be date night, which is so incredibly basic but yet so incredibly important. My wife and I, every week, we still have a date. Sometimes it's during the day. Sometimes it's just for one hour. Sometimes it's just simply us watching The Crown, right? But it is us together 
communicating. It's us together talking about dreams. It's us together showing vulnerability, making sure that you have that. And then also, Helen, something that I recommended recently, and I'm telling you, this is not a joke. This is true, is I believe one second kiss a day. All right. Hang on, say, one, say that six again. Second, okay, one six-second kiss per day will keep the divorce attorneys and solicitors away. <laughs> right. This is what I'm saying. It's, yes, because you you've got to get those hormones going. I read recently that about a 20-second hug does the same, and, and that can be with our kids or with our partners. Having that physical closeness is absolutely crucial. We were talking about this on the show recently about the Gottman Institute, about turning towards your partner. If they're starting a conversation with you, put down whatever is in your hand, make that eye contact, make them feel like a priority. And it sounds again, like you say, date night so simple, but we're all so distracted these days. And I think we forget that our partner should be our priority. And as you say, when the kids leave, they're the one that's going to be by your side. <laughs> you don't want to be... <laughs> at the empty, empty nest. Paul, tell us just before we before you let you get back to your very busy day in London, um, in terms of your books, if people want to explore some of your theories, your concepts, your ideas, your advice, um, what would you like to say in terms of further reading? Well, you know, I think all of John Gottman's work, it sounds like that you're a big fan of John Gottman. I think John Gottman is, is, is phenomenal. Uh, I think Esther Perel is also phenomenal uh, in terms of couples counseling. Uh, but here's the bottom line. The bottom line is, as long as you and your partner are reading or watching a YouTube video on relationships and you're actively discussing it, that is therapy. Therapy is, 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 sounds complicated, but just simply healing. And then you have to understand that you can actually conduct therapy with your partner just through YouTube videos or just through podcasts or just through listening to a segment like this with yes. Helen. This in itself We're is doing therapy. it. But I think, I think yeah. what you're seeing there is that is a choice. That is something you are saying, do you know what, this is important to me. And it might be five minutes, you know, watching a YouTube video. It might be listening to the car or to us now, or it could be going for professional counseling. What you're saying is I am choosing to make you and us a priority. And that is really, really powerful. Paul, what about your own, your own work? Well, how can people find you and, uh, and, and read more? Yeah, I, I tell you, I'm, I'm putting out actually a lot on Instagram, believe it or not. So at Paul C. Brunson uh, is where you can find me on all social. Uh, there's a, 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 a two TV shows that I do in the UK. Married at First Sight is, is a big one. There's another one called Celebs Go Dating uh, that actually debuts Please in week. come back and talk to me about that. I want to know absolutely everything. Thank Let's you so, so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. We've had so many messages we couldn't get to. We had people asking you about arranged marriages. We had, so wow. I would love to explore this with you further because what you're doing there at Married First Sight, it is a form of arranged marriage and I think it'd be a fascinating one to unpick a little bit more. In the meantime though, thank you again. You're an absolute superstar and uh, really do appreciate your time, sir. Have a great day ahead. You too. You Take too. Care. Thank you so much. Paul C. Brunson speaking to us there from the UK. We will all desperate to get him back on the show, judging by the number of messages we had. A lot of you really keen to get his insights on dating, on love, relationships and beyond. November is Men's Mental Health Awareness Month and a new survey has revealed some 
pretty staggering findings regarding mental health and depression for men. Depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts are all everyday realities that respondents to the survey suggested they deal with. Half of those that responded to the survey indicated they don't like to ask for help, which is one of the most significant risk factors facing men and their mental health. So we're bringing together some men who are on a bit of a mission to make a difference right here in the UAE. It's a full studio, which are making me very happy indeed, and we're taking your questions too. Joining me live now is Manny Juno. He is the co-founder of the Mentality Podcast. We've got Adil Hussain, founder of the Brotherhood DXB, and Mohammed Balaj, the founder of the Any Man Support Group. Guys, thank you so much for being with us today. Really, really do appreciate your time. I know uh, there is a, you've all got Mo's. I suspect the Mo's were probably there before Movember. Yes, the, yeah, the Mo's are a permanent fixture. Well, it's good to represent. I'm, I'd love to go around for anyone who's not familiar with you guys and perhaps the work you do to get a bit of an understanding. And Manny, let's start with you because you have that podcast. This is the platform that you're working with, connecting with with the community, but also with experts as well. T- sure. Tell us what kind of gap you felt was, was there and how you're looking to address it. Sure. So Mentality is a podcast at its core, but it's more than that. We have four pillars. So we have podcasts, we have community, um, which is in partnership with Adil and Brotherhood DXB. We have services, which is, call it a database of people that people can come and find help from. And then we've got media and events. So places actual physical places that people can come to one of the key things that we find is when we speak to people and they tell us that they don't have spaces or platforms that they can go to by mixing those with some level of social interaction mm-hmm. it kind of takes away the the negative aspect or the difficulty in going to it and so that's why we've kind of positioned ourselves as all things mental health Adil, let's let's talk about your organization your meetups because you're there in demac hills as a community of men as you say who want more from life tell us a little bit about that yeah so brotherhood xb actually started around two years ago when i first came to dubai and it was really a place of safety i want to just just like manny said um it's about creating a space where men can just be themselves it's where they can be vulnerable um they can share what's going on in their lives they can just be around other men a lot of men are just don't really have many friends you know, loneliness is, is, a, is, a, is a big thing here in, in the UAE, especially in Dubai, I feel like, especially for me, I felt it. So it was also born out of necessity for myself. I needed, I needed somewhere. I needed some, a place to, um, to go. And um, Brotherhood DXP was created really to just give men that space to do so and also to, to kind of better each other. You know, how can we be role models for each other and, and be that support? And Mohammed, you are there about helping men, in your kind of words, build skills to help them communicate courageously. And it often is, it is a courageous act to put yourself in that situation. Tell us a little bit about Anyman and what, what, uh, what you're looking to achieve with that. So Anyman was started in 2017 here and probably because of the same reasons as, uh, you know, the other two initiatives started here in the UAE. And I was one of the founding members here in the UAE. And one thing we found is that uh, when you are an expat, you are in isolation. I mean, you don't get family support. Obviously, uh, you're dealing with things completely different from when you are back home. Mm -hmm. So we started this initiative and we have techniques in place where we can help, you know, and challenge men as well. To the stories, for example, they're telling uh, themselves and uh, we hold ourselves accountable and we we have themed nights, uh, let's say, uh, let's say fear night or something like that. So we are a little bit uh, structured in uh, that way. And we push men to, you know, find out what is really going on behind the mask that they are uh, putting on every day when they go to the corporate world or uh you know, even where they partner. I want to come back to this kind of building skills idea, because that implies that men were not equipped with those skills growing up. 
And Definitely. I wondered if you could expand on that for us a bit, Mohammed. I mean, I think we grew up uh, as men uh, and we, we, we tend not to have a lot of uh, vocabulary in terms of, uh, you know, feelings and uh, emotions. And then we are expe- expected to have kids and we are expected, let's say, to have a partner and understand the you know, these uh, partner or and children's feelings. We're, and we're demanding that you communicate with mm-hmm. us and yeah. we want you to name your feelings and name our kids' feelings Absolutely. to help them be good communicators. And do you feel like a lot of men just go, I don't really know exactly. how to do that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, all we know, basically, when we uh, a man shows an emotion is he's becoming already angry. And, uh, you know, underneath that anger, it's coming from fear or shame or uh, something else. Uh, we, we know that uh, scientifically and stuff. And that's what we try to uncover when we work uh, with uh, in this uh, you know, support the group. I think, Manny, the big challenge, I think, for a lot of men is actually accepting that fact that perhaps you, you haven't got the skills that you want or that you need that could better you. And sometimes that could be betterment in the workplace and, you know, relationships and friendships. And I guess what kind of breaks my heart is that maybe the men that need, you know, initiatives like you guys the most won't necessarily realize that. Sure. Does that make sense? There's, there's, there's this thing of weakness that's placed when you have to dig, dig in and look at your emotions. But I think that's one of the key things that Brotherhood DXB and Mentality both really push and focus on is teaching younger men or boys how to be better versions because no one really teaches us how to be men and oftentimes the role models or the visions of men that we do see are often negative or you know alpha male so you don't need to tap into your emotions Mm -hmm. but it's actually very powerful Mm -hmm. to become vulnerable and understand what you're feeling inside We're coming to the end of November, but that doesn't mean the conversation needs to stop around men's mental health because the stigma around men's vulnerability still stops so many of them from communicating emotions, reaching out for help concerning mental health. And based on retrospective data, this is from Numrovani, 86% of male participants suffered from, male, from mental health symptoms such as stress, anxiety, depression, at least once in their life, out of which 75% of them never spoke about it or shared it with anyone. We're having a roundtable around men's mental health this afternoon and keen to get your thoughts, concerns on this. Joining us, the leader of Any Man Support Group, we've got Mohammed Adil is in the studio from Brotherhood DXB and Manny, the co-founder of the Mentality Podcast and Community. Um, I want to talk about some of the issues that are coming up in conversation. Mohammed, when you're getting the guys together, and as you mentioned earlier, a lot of your nights are structured and themed and you might have a specific angle you might be addressing. How do you choose the topics? Is it based on some of the things that are concerning your community? Uh, it depends on the week, uh, obviously, and uh, stuff. But uh, I'll give you an example. Last week, uh, we had a guy uh, coming, uh, uh, leaving uh, Dubai. And this is very common in Dubai where you, you know, build a, g- a good relationship with someone and then they leave him back uh, to their home. Mm-hmm. So we have a guy, uh, Michael, he's living back to Australia. And uh, we decided to do a farewell party with him. But also uh, we did a session uh, group uh, called Farewell. What are the things, for example, we were still hanging on uh, to? Or what are the things uh, we said goodbye to and we did not close uh, that uh, you know, chapter? And it goes from there and it grows and mm-hmm. it's very deep uh, conversation that usually men we don't uh, have outside uh, these... Uh, and as you alluded to earlier, some really expat-specific issues as well. And that was an issue for you when you moved to Dubai. That identity you'd had back in the UK was no yeah. more. And the, you mentioned there was a, a loneliness aspect there as well. What are some of the common issues that are coming up in, in conversation? of brotherhood so look coming here as an expat you're not not really having your friends or your family around you don't have your support circle you don't know really know who to speak to plus you've got this maybe this element of a ego or i can do it on my own and we're actually just drawn into us to just do it on our own Mm -hmm. and just suck it up and get on with it 
Um, and I, so I find a lot of the men that come to the circle are really hesitant at first. Someone's referred them or they've seen something or I've, I've roped them to come along. But as soon as they get there, they feel so liberated that they can actually express something. But the bit that really kind of solidifies it is when they, another man says, oh, me too. It's that me too moment, right? When another man shows that, oh, I'm going through the same thing as you. You don't feel alone. And I think a lot of men feel that their problems are solely theirs and that no one else can relate to them. Mm-hmm. But there's two things. So there's two things there. One, we're, not, we're, we're all going through a shared experience. We're either going to go through it or we've been through it or we're going through it now. Um, and that actually, we, actually, we do want to talk. Most men want to talk. That's how I see it. Do you see the walls come down then with people? Can you, 100%. You can almost watch that yeah, unfold. Exactly. So the, a man might come and say, listen, Adil, I'm just going to come and I'm just going to observe. I'm like, okay, cool. You do that. I guide them through a little, little meditation. We sit there first of all and they're like, what's a meditation? But I say, just, just sit and close your eyes. And... Uh, and then when one man shares and another man shares, this guy can't wait. He's waiting to, you know, for his turn to come. And the man that didn't want to talk is now raring to go. And he talks the longest mm-hmm. because he's got so much that he just hasn't said. And, there's the, and this, is what, this is, you know, what I've said to my husband before. It's like, he'll go out for dinner with his mates and I'll come back and like, so what's the chat? He's yeah. like, oh, you know. And I'm like, no, I don't know, because I go out for dinner with my friends and I'm telling them, you know, <laughs> about, you know, problems I'm having maybe in my relationship or in friendships or with the kids or work or wh- whatever that no, might men be. Are, men aren't really typically always doing that in their social I know, circles. And that's, that makes me really like, I feel like it's, it's such a shame in some yeah. ways. In, in, in some ways, it's a shame that, you know, organisations initiatives have to start in order to be this conduit for conversation because it's just not happening now. I'm, sure, I'm going to just put it to the audience, just... Any man that's out there that feels a little bit like they want to mention something, just just try it with your friends. Just say something that's a little bit deeper. Ask a question, you know, how the hell the wife, how the kids, or, you know, what's going to, just get a little bit deeper or even express how you're feeling mm-hmm. with your vulnerability that gives them permission to, uh, to open up to. I want to come to the text line. Um, if you do want to get in touch, by all means, you can be completely anonymous, 4001. Um, message here saying, my husband has suffered with depression on and off for years. I'm not going to lie. It really gets me down and I have thought about leaving him in darker moments. He's refused treatment, meds, etc. in the past and I don't know how to support him. Manny, anything you could offer to this listener or indeed anyone else that's struggling to support a partner having some mental health issues of varying severity? I think at the most basic level, you just have to be a a listener. Just allow that person to be able to vent, to be able to open up, to be able to tell you what they're feeling. I think oftentimes when men are being vulnerable, that's all they're seeking for. They're seeking for a listening ear. We spend all our years being solution-orientated, trying to find ways to fix things that sometimes when we go through something all we want is someone just to stop mm-hmm. pause listen give us a hug and tell us it's going to be okay Mohammed, you're nodding along now that's a very good point and uh, i mean one of the rules we have in the, these uh, support groups that we never give uh, advice i mean we uh, help uh, the guy to reflect on uh, himself and his feelings and what's going on in his body as well and uh, stuff and uh, we we never give uh, advice or judge him or something. And to answer this uh, lady's uh, question, I think it's one thing uh, to do as well is uh, support uh, her husband uh, by just listening in and give him the tools that we have available. I mean, we have a podcast now, we have anyman.com and we have the brotherhood as well. So mention it, but don't pressure him on that because he has to be ready. And maybe the problems are also related to to her, sorry to say that. No, but, yeah. but I think that couples couples thing can be really big. You know, problems that don't exist in isolation. But it sounds like there's also perhaps a bit, bit of a stigma or shame there attached to seeking treatment, whatever that might look like, therapy or meds. There always is amongst men. I think amongst our peers as men, we always look at each other and 
our common viewpoint is okay we're doing okay because we feel like if we show somebody else that we're not it makes us look weak or opens us up for some level of attack when really that's not the case you know we're all human beings and as Adele said a few minutes ago try it just open up with someone and you'll realize that you're giving them permission to be vulnerable and then you can both just kind of go on that journey together yeah we don't want we don't want to feel like we're wrong no something is wrong and especially even now hearing that it's like even she doesn't want to be in that Mm. particular relationship so that's also going to be added like an extra blow Mm -hmm. to this guy that he's you know he's suffering as it is and now he can't hold what is his family together that stems a lot from our upbringing so for so for so many years we're told it's you know you find a solution fix it be a man be a boy don't cry don't do any of this Mm -hmm. and so we're pushed into this systematic idea that you can't be wrong. You have to be right. You have to be able to find a way through it. So when we do find that we're not always right, it hits us real deep in the gut. Yeah. And I think we've spoken about this before, but you know that kind of changing identity when you become a father of, I mean, when you become a, a, a mother, you know, it's, it's like this visceral cellular thing. But I remember after I gave birth to my first one, everyone was like, how's mum? How's baby? And I was like... Somebody want to check in with dad here? Yeah, wow. <laughs> he's, he's going through quite a bit, you know, because, you know, as you just said, strong one, you can't be showing any weakness here. You've got to be the one to, to keep it together. This must be something that's come up in, in conversation with your group. I, I have a personal uh, experience on, uh, on that because, I mean, what brought me also to uh, any man is that I became a single father after my wife uh, passed away. And I, you know, I was with the two kids, uh, five and uh, seven, and I used to take my kids or my daughter to uh, things that are usually associated with the feminine, like art class or dancing or something. And it's very difficult. I mean, society to see men doing uh, these uh, kind of uh, things. And that's when I realized that that it's uh, what you just said. I mean, we don't really get asked a lot uh, about that and stuff. And that's how I became, you know, more aware, self-aware and more uh, open to that because I don't see anything wrong with it. Ma'am, thank you for, yeah. for sharing that. And I'm so sorry to hear about your wife, truly. Oh, thank you. We are coming to the end of November. Movember, some very good mo's, in not just in the studio, but around the UAE as well. But we want to be keeping this conversation going. We've got three fantastic um, experts joining us live. And also on the line now is Jonathan Leonard. He is a men's mental health advocate, a cancer survivor who has been very open about his journey of depression, anxiety, attempts to take his own life. And he has, in the last few years, really embraced a range of work, helping up, well, raise awareness in himself, but also in the community about how important it is what it means to talk. He's also an advisory member of the Al Jalila Foundation. Jonathan, thank you so much for being with us. We've spoken in the past about your specific struggles before, during, after your cancer diagnosis and treatment. And I always applaud your openness and, and vulnerability on this topic because so, so many people really value what you've added to that conversation. And it sounds like this conversation is, is really ramping up and I'm so proud of you to have this this role at Al Jalila. Can you tell us a little bit about what that means? You're also a founding member of the Any Man Group. So you're a busy man. What's happening tomorrow? <laughs> Good afternoon, Helen. Um, and welcome from uh, Dubai Trade Centre at the moment where um, half the roof is collapsing with the rain. What? Um, rain <laughs> report? Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely bucketing down, down here at the moment. Um, yeah, so, look, I mean, I just want to say it's great to speak, and I think this is the whole topic, you know. It is really great to speak. And what I wanted to add on to conversation that's probably already happened today is um, there are so many options 
out there at the moment for men to seek. And it's not just about having to pay for therapy. And I, mm-hmm. this has probably been raised in the conversation that, um, you know, therapy can be expensive and seeing someone one-on-one. Um, but there are government initiatives happening at the moment as well. Like, for example, the Algerlili Foundation, um, they are currently investing massively into mental's, uh, men's mental health as well as a new men's hospital um, in DHA which I'm delighted to be on the advisory board for. Um, and tomorrow night, they are doing a very open session on Real Men Speak, uh, where people like myself, um, you know, we've spoken before, as you said, are going to open up and talk about things that go on. And it's open to every man, as well as every woman, so wives as well, who are feeling like they don't know how to get their husbands speak, come down and just have a really open, matchless conversation at Algeria and talk about, you know, why it's important that we all speak. I also think it's really important to have, as you're saying, people who you might not expect to have struggled with mental health issues, for people who might on the surface might have their lives together. And it's only through, I guess, that that power of honesty and vulnerability of standing up and, as Deal said earlier, having that me too moment. That's when you get real connection. That's when you get real conversation. That's where you get internal breakthroughs in terms of, okay, that's actually what I'm feeling. And he's articulated that and I'm not alone. Like that is so powerful. Yeah, and sometimes we don't realise that we actually have a problem brewing mm-hmm. until we actually hear someone else say it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a key point, you know. Until we hear someone else say it, we think, okay, yeah, well, yeah, we're, we're good, we're good, you know. Come on, we're men. Or we we're, think, or we we think it's normal, you know. Think it's, it's normal to be feeling this yeah. way. It's normal to be struggling when actually there are... As you said, there's amazing resources in this room right now. There's amazing resources online and in, in, in the community where if you do want to make that step towards making a change, then that is available to you. As you said, starting with tomorrow night, if anyone wants to come along, what's the best way of getting in touch, Jonathan? Um, so just jumping onto the Alger Lilia website, um, so Alger Lilia Foundation, um, going on the website, just jumping in, booking yourself in. You don't even need to book in. You can just show up from 5 o'clock tomorrow afternoon at the Majlis at Al Jalulia. Um, you know, I know you've got Muhammad and Adil and Manny there, you know, three awesome guys who are advocating for men, you know, right across the region. There are so many options out there. We need to speak. We need to be open. And even if you're scared to, you know, this is one of the things with Manny and the podcast, you know, sometimes it's even just listening while you're in the gym mm-hmm. or, you know, just just hearing other guys speak and tell their story. And Absolutely. Don't even need to be in the room. Don't even need to leave your house. You can exactly. you can find that connection in all sorts of different places. Jonathan, thank you so much. Yeah. All the very best. And um, hope tomorrow night goes really, really well. It sounds like a really important event for the, for the region and beyond. And I wanted to finish, guys, if you don't mind, because we do have some got some dads in the room um the responsibility of raising young men i mean i'm i'm a mum of girls and i feel like it's a really exciting time to be a mum of girls i feel like there's a lot more pressure on on parents of boys to be raising men who are better you know and i I wondered if you had any advice if you could have changed the way that perhaps not to criticize your parents but you know if you could have done things differently or how are you looking to raise a generation of young 
impressive, respectful, creative young men. And your your little boy's really young, Manny. But what what are your what are your hopes in terms of parenthood? Yeah, I, my experience with my parents was amazing I mean yes okay there are lots of things I would have loved to change but my my experience with my parents was amazing however I think the one thing that I want to carry on to my little one is that listen there's power in being vulnerable it's okay to understand the feelings that you're feeling Mm -hmm. understand where they come from deal with them in whatever way that may be, whether you need to cry, whether you need a hug, whether you need to just voice out what you're feeling so we can try and see what's the route forward and then carry on with life uh, and life goes on things happen in moments yeah i think we're very quick to, to label feelings as being good or bad or boys girl, boys and girls feelings and Mohammed, you've got a boy and a girl so it, it's a little bit different for you but what what are your hopes i guess for for your son's generation when it comes to being a bit more emotionally connected i think the main goal for me is to uh, you know give them that uh, skills uh, to to be more emotionally intelligent if we want to call it uh, that way and I've been working with with my kids since they were young, you know, through the ga- board game I mentioned earlier. Yes, this uh, is the board game that Lighthouse Arabia has brought out. It's called Smart Heart Board Game. You love it, hey? Yeah, uh, the kids uh, loved it till a certain age, obviously, because uh, it, it's more for uh, kids. And uh, there's another initiative as well that we started uh, last year with the schools in uh, Abu Dhabi. And we started teaching uh, teenagers, uh, teenage boys, how to deal with their uh, emotions. And we call it an emotional intelligent uh, program. And uh, the feedback was amazing because I I never realized, uh, you know, the pressure that uh, teens are under uh, these uh, days to Mm -hmm. perform, you know, to to be good at every uh, sport uh, skills and stuff. And uh, I I find it amazing to be able to help uh, these uh, teenagers in uh, that way. We've had some really encouraging messages on the text line mostly just saying thank you um but i wanted to give you guys the last chance really to tell people how they can connect with you whether that is online um through your platform or indeed in real life adil what about you at brotherhood for uh, to get in touch so brotherhood dxp meets every two weeks currently into mac hills out of the community center every other tuesday next one is tuesday uh, which is next week uh 8 15 p.m in the community center you can reach us on brotherhood dxp which is on instagram and adil coaches men on instagram also and Mohammed, what about you? You guys at Animan, when's, when's the next meetup and how can people reach out so to you? So we meet every uh, Thursday at uh, 7.30 p.m. and uh, people can go and register on our website, any-men.com. And Manny, the podcast and more, what's happening with you guys at Mentality? <laughs> um, so podcast uh, that we're going to be restarting again. We've, we're rebranding, going through a, a, a slight rebrand. Um, Instagram, men-tality. Sorry, men-tality podcast we can be found on instagram um you can reach out to any of us um on there individually or as a group and just to add to deal a little bit we're going to be expanding the brotherhood dxb meetups into another location so we are growing stay in touch guys it's been an absolute honor to have you all in the studio i think it's brilliant for you guys to tell exactly what's happening in the world and perhaps just shed a light whether people are able to come to a meetup or listen to a podcast or maybe it's just given them some pause for thought about having some some conversations with their mates so thank you so so much i really do appreciate if you do want details of any of those meetups podcasts and more drop me a little line on 4001 i'd be very very happy to share that and connect you 
Healthy Habits. On Afternoons with Helen Farmer. Dr. Haroon Mann is an orthopaedic foot and ankle consultant surgeon based in the UK, based in London with the Royal Free Hospital and NHS Foundation Trust, but with also with Zia Medical Centre here in Dubai. And he's brought his son, Adam's here as well, who is in his final year. First of all, welcome to Dubai. Uh, pleasure to have you with us. I w- I'm curious to get a bit of a read on... Why medicine? Obviously, your dad's doing amazing work. He's worked with all sorts of high-name profile people that we can't talk about on the radio. Um, <laughs> what, what area of medicine have you decided to focus on and why? So it's early days currently, like you mentioned, uh, going into my final year. So, but so far, the thing that's kind of fascinated me thus far is surgery. So quite similar to my dad, as you can imagine, um, but who knows what the um, future has uh, to offer. Any surprises along the way in terms of uh, uni at this stage? Anything you're like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Whether that is a pleasant or an un- unpleasant surprise? Just how, whilst I hear stories about surgery from my dad, actually going in and watching surgeries in person and helping out recently delivering babies <gasps> is uh, something, oh my gosh. an experience that is life-changing really mm-hmm. at this stage and so that was an amazing thing to help out oh with. Oh my goodness, you, the look of pride on your face, <laughs> Mr. Man. What was it like when you first heard that he was like, all right, this is something I want to pursue? I, I, I've always, with all my children, been very open-minded and never pigeonholed them into one particular career because as doctors we are very very engulfed in our, our careers it's and not, it's, it's not just a job is it it's a it's a, it's calling. a vocation, it's a, vocation. Yeah. It's, it's a vocation and so i i've always kept them with an open mind but adam's joined me my all my children have always been out with me to a number of the humanitarian trips that i've been involved in in, in south asia uh, and I'm quite involved when I come home and quite animated with some of the cases that I do, some of the exciting people I've met, some of the, some of the, the aspects of my work that, I, that comes home with me. And I've always talked to them and engaged them. I mean, Adam's mum is also a doctor and she's a very accomplished physician. Um, so there's, there's influences from both sides. So I've always been mindful not to pigeonhole them into a medical career and mm-hmm. give them lots of opportunities to... Uh, uh, really be themselves. And just, but I, but I've and been really proud. And obviously, it's a huge, immense um, a, a challenge to get into medical school. Absolutely. And to achieve that has been tremendous. And, um, you know, it, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and just to add to that, really, um, my mum was actually quite adamant to kind of wean me off the medicine path because she's been through it, my dad's been through it. But just from such a young age, I've had such a passion with the sciences, with the biology, with the chemistry that I just kind of wanted to follow my passion and what I wanted to do, really. Okay, Dad, aside from the academics, which he's obviously nailing, any advice for any other aspiring or future doctors when it comes to, you mentioned there, that hum- humanitarian piece. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, some of the softer skills that are required. <clears throat> I think I think it's really important to have the ability to communicate. I think good communication skills uh, are important. But when I see junior doctors coming through and I see students coming through, it's that passion, that hunger that really is important because it, it's a long journey. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to keep you going on that long journey, but also in those long days as well. Absolutely. And and to be able to communicate. Mm-hmm. Now, some of those skills can be learned, but some of us are more natural than others. 
But I do think communication skills are really, really important. Well, thank you both for coming in today. Adam, you can go and chill in the green room because your dad's got some work to do. Up next, we are going to go to the text line. We've had a number of questions um, asking about knock knees, about plantar fasciitis, about bunions. We're going to have a quick fire live clinic. This content is for informational purposes only. If you would like to seek medical treatment, please contact a certified healthcare provider for personalised advice and diagnosis. Healthy Habits on Afternoons with Helen Farmer. Joining us live in the studio is Dr. Haroon Mann, an orthopaedic foot and ankle consultant surgeon based in London with the Royal Free, um, but also here in the UAE at Zia Medical Centre on Jumeirah Beach Road. Right, we are going to go straight to the text lines. I've had so many questions for you. Is that okay? Absolutely. Okay, right. Let's let's kick off with plantar fasciitis. Um, Carrie's saying she suffers, got, gets heel pain, and the footwear suggestions are all for fit flops, but she doesn't like the way they look. Would insoles work so she could still wear the shoes she have? For, just for anyone who's not familiar with that term, can you quickly outline what plantar fasciitis is and if insoles could be helping Carrie and anyone else? Plantar fasciitis is a very, very common condition. And there's, most of us will have had, at some stage, plantar fasciitis in our life. I had uh, it after at, having kids. Absolutely. It was yeah. incredibly painful to put my feet on the ground in the morning. Does yeah. that sound about right? 100%. So the, it tightens up when you sleep at night and then you get, you get up in the morning, it stretches out and you get this immense pain. It's usually caused by microscopic tear underneath the heel within the plantar fascia that holds the foot up and controls the arch. And it's a long, thick band of tissue called the fascia. Um, in terms of coming back to the specific questions, I think, yes, you can wear insoles. I think fit that, that type of particular shoe wear that, she's, that she, she, she's discussed is a good type of footwear, but anything that's got a good cushioned heel. But I think in order to treat the cause of this, which is the tightening, and it can be biomechanics, uh, stretching the hamstrings, the calves, do lots of massage, deep tissue massage around the region, perhaps an iced bottle. If in the fridge, she could roll her foot on that or a ball, a mm-hmm. circumferential ball where they can massage the plantar fascia and right on the sweet spot where it's particularly painful, lots of deep tissue massage to stimulate the blood supply to allow it to heal. Carrie, hope that helps indeed anyone else. It is absolute agony, I have to say, when it's, uh, when it's bad. Leandra saying, hi both. I've got the early stages of a bunion on my right foot. I'm 31. Um, it's sometimes sore. Any suggestions for how I can stop it getting worse? My mum had bad bunions and I know they're hereditary. I mostly wear trainers um, and Birkenstocks. Again, Helen, a really, really common condition that affects many, many people. I've just made and you check my feet off air. <laughs> I, see, I see hundreds of bunions every month. I see loads in my clinic and I operate on three or four bunions every single week. Given that this young lady has got a family history of bunions, it sounds like she's got juvenile hallux valgus or juvenile bunions, which means essentially that you're born with them. So there's an autosomal dominant link between the bunions. Unfortunately, once the dye is cast and the biomechanics are such, and it may be that the shape of her head of the actual metatarsal Mm -hmm. is such that the, the toe is going to naturally drift into that valgus position and develop a bunion. I mean, there are splints available that you can purchase online. There's splints that you can wear at night. There's sort of contraptions that, that you can apply to the foot. You can apply a sort of silicone type of thing to the device. You can also, there are lots of exercises that you can pick up online on YouTube. But generally, they don't work so well. Um, my advice would be to avoid wearing tight-fitting shoes. Try and wear something broad and something a little bit more wider. So your toes can kind of splay out as much as they need to. Absolutely. Okay. Um, but you can wear uh, also a little... A spacer within a closed shoe. It's a little called like a little silicone cube that sits between the first and second. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's really all she can do. 
uh, and avoid wearing tight-fitting shoes. Unfortunately, I think if the mum, her mum has had really severe bunions, she may, may also be at risk of going on to developing that. And perhaps seeing somebody having an X-ray on a yearly basis or every two years to monitor the actual scientific clinical deformity mm-hmm. on an x-ray would be helpful okay. and if they start to drift too much then maybe she needs something to do to, to do with them all right um a really interesting question here from samira saying my grandson is three he is amazing love this since he was born he's been a force of nature um, and can do and will attempt anything you throw at him he does have knock knees it's not stopped him from running or jumping or riding his bike swimming or climbing my daughter's a bit worried and has an appointment at the doctor's but i think he's going to grow out of it what does your doctor think i agree uh, with, with, with who? <laughs> I, I, agree, I agree with all the above. With, with granny. With all the above. Um, essentially, he's a lovely child. I'm sure he is. Um, knock knees is a common question that we see. Genu verum or genu valgum? Knock knees is genu valgum, where the knees are bowing inwards. So that's that kind of that cross shape. Correct. And genu verum is where they bowed. Okay. Uh, and the two of them are associated with sometimes mineral deficiencies as well. So, for example, metabolic problems are vitamin D deficiency. We see, we see knock knees, for example, in the severely malnourished, but that's highly unlikely uh, in this case. But sometimes if you see it and it, it looks abnormal, then sometimes you do do a vitamin D blood test. But usually kids do kids to grow out of them. They become, when they're born, slightly bow-shaped, mm-hmm. they then become slightly knock-kneed, and then, they becomes, then as, the, as the, the epiphysis and the physis grows, the alignment is restored. But if it's severe and it's impacting that child's ability to walk, function, sport and participate in, in, in activities that he's doing, then perhaps he does need to be seen by a doctor. But it sounds to me like he's actually doing quite well, but it's just a bit pronounced. And I'd keep an eye on it. He's only three. So yeah. you think just keep an eye on it Absolutely. for now? I mean, yeah. listen, mum's instinct, I always think, is, is worth listening to. So whether it's going to the doctor and just getting a bit of a consultation for peace of mind, great but in your experience, a lot of it will correct itself. Absolutely. The vast majority will correct. What about flat feet, which I know is something we've talked about in the past, but is a, it is a really common concern for an awful lot of parents. They watch how their kids are moving around, running, or just even you know, having, having a look at their feet. What, when is it a cause for concern? Flat feet, again, massive subject, great cause for concern and anxiety amongst patients, adults, adolescents, paediatrics, parents, etc. Again, I think you have to look when – I, when I see a child, for example, let's look – there's different sections of the, of the patient population that I look at. Let's look at a, a baby mm-hmm. with flat feet who's just started to walk. I wouldn't really particularly be concerned because I know that child's muscles have got to develop and the arches will correct. It's the persistent flat feet. It's the painful flat foot. It's the asymmetrical flat foot. Mm-hmm. It's the flat foot that's giving problems. And it's the flat foot where the parents or the aunts and the uncles and the aunties have had flat feet and they've led to problems are the ones that I'm really concerned about. But what can be done? You know, what, well, what, what, what is in place, whether it is, you know, structure in the, in the shoe or is it surgery? I, I, th- I think the, the, sim- the simple things that you can do is that that person who has flat feet and they're physiologically flexible flat feet. Mm-hmm. Then you want, to, you want to give that person or advise that person a structured shoe. So, for example, if, if, you're, if you're naturally flat-footed, I would say to a child or to a parent that, look, avoid the ballet type of pumps or the strap type of shoes. I would wear a lace-up, structured shoe, and there are various brands that actually promote themselves as having more of an arch. They're not having more of an arch. Mm-hmm. Some of the high-end running shoes, for example, they have a natural arch. And they... Instead of overpronation, they underpronate you. They correct, the, correct that overpronation. 
And let's not talk about technical terms because my pronation might be your supination and your supination might be my pronation. <laughs> and you've lost me. <laughs> exactly. So, so, so let's keep it simple. So flat-footedness, if it's flexible, I would say that generally if you have a flat-foot type of posture, then a more structured shoe is what you want to be wearing than a more floppy, non-structured shoe. A lace-up, structured, rigid type of supported shoe. Um, a message here saying, Hi, Doctor, are there any treatment options for someone in their mid-20s who has bow legs? Quite an open-ended question. Mm. Um, it depends on the physiology of the, the, the bowed legs. It depends upon the alignment of the x-rays of that person's, the degree, the angulation, and how much of, a, of, of an issue. There are, absolutely, there are patients who we correct with various, those type of birdcage frames that we use uh, or the osteotomies that we can do. Um, but it's rare. It's not very common. Um, and again, just discussing it, it's difficult without of seeing course. the patient. But but yes, there are things that people can do, but sometimes it just is a genetic or it's just the physiology that the way they're made up. It depends if it's having an impact on their function and their mobility. Now, just in terms of a, a general advice for everyone listening today, what do you think we could all try or do or change to maintain really good orthopedic health kind of below the knee? What would you like to to see us either chuck in the bin or perhaps uh, start to do every That's day? That's a really good question. And I think bone health is a huge, huge, uh, huge topic. And I think um, good vitamin D. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean just sitting in the sun because we can't all sit in the sun. So I think good vitamin D supplementation. It would be nice if we could. Though. I know it would be, but then there's other issues with that. So, so vitamin D supplementation to make your bones healthy, a good, healthy, balanced diet is important. Physical exercise to keep not only just the bones healthy, but the muscles and the ligaments that attach to the bones healthy. So something functional, which is also adds to cardiorespiratory. Mm-hmm. I think as one gets older, and we, we again, this is another topic, but moving into, for example, say premenopause and perimenopausal and postmenopausal i think bone health is huge and i think for thinking lifting weights yeah, for men training. and women is a huge importance in bone health and it mustn't be fair uh, mustn't be forgotten dr man you are in dubai for a short time only you're there at zia medical center on uh, on beach road are there any appointments and if so can we sneak one with you? Are Absolutely. You around? Anytime. You're a I'm star. here till Saturday. Thank Thanks. you so, so much. Really do appreciate your time as ever. Uh, Dr. Mann speaking to us as an orthopaedic consultant specialist. He's there at ZIA um, for a few more days. So if you do want an expert second opinion, maybe you've had x-rays or MRIs done and you want to get his take on them, by all means. Equally, if this has sparked any concerns, by all means, make sure you go and check him out some, for some no-nonsense advice. This content is for informational purposes only and does not intend to substitute professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Dubai Fitness Challenge is underway and we are teaming up with some of the best trainers around the UAE, offering you a brand new free workout on our website every single week. We've had Pilates, we've had yoga, we've been talking about CrossFit and this time it's box fitness. Joining us in the studio now is the man himself. We've got Cyrus here, the founder of Boxica and just going to say a massive congratulations first of all for what sounds like a brilliant community of people who are loving going to your studio. You've got a really obviously strong background in health and fitness. Um, you do uh, jiu-jitsu. You are obviously well into your boxing. You've got a background in uh, military as well. Tell us a little bit about what you are aiming to achieve with that space. Yeah, thanks, Helen. Um, well, Boxica, like you said, is a community. And the main kind of focus when we set it up was an unintimidating space for everyone. 
Thank you for saying that and acknowledging that because I think a lot of people who have been, like yourself, in fitness and health for a long time forget just how intimidating going into a gym or a class or even putting on your trainers and putting on your gym gear can be if you are feeling unfit or you're coming back from an injury. It that is. Gym anxiety is real. Absolutely. It is even for me. I've been a trainer for 15 years and when I go to a new space or I do a try a new class or something, I get intimidated. I get nervous and I've been, this is my job. (laughs) So yeah, unfortunately it is a barrier for people to actually uh, come in. So we try to break down those barriers and make it as friendly and and intimidating and accessible for everyone of all fitness levels. Obviously boxing is the the crux of a lot of the work you're doing, but tell us about some of the different classes you've got going on there. Yeah, boxing and fitness is the main kind of most popular one and, and there is something special about that boxing which we'll get into uh, we've got the indoor cycling studio which is a absolutely fantastic fitness and we've got a massive outdoor space with muay thai strength classes sweat classes and we do yoga as well okay i've got a big question how good's the music yeah the music is so okay. important sold so, I, so I, important i went to spin this morning and i was like the things that are getting me through this the fact yeah. that it's a dark room <laughs> yeah the dark room yeah. <laughs> and, and good music because it's the only chance i get to like sweat in a room of strangers listening to loud Absolutely. music any day you know what i mean like you become a parent the clubbing days are well over yeah let's talk a little bit about about that boxing side because what you've put together for us on the platform is not for what you'd imagine your typical, you know, boxing clientele. It's for everyone, right? Yeah, this is what we're trying to do, it. be inclusive. Absolutely, yeah. So t- tell us a little bit about what you've put together. Yeah, so it's a workout that includes boxing and fitness. So it's what we do at Boxer but the condensed version that you can do at home. No equipment needed. You just need to turn it on, follow along. The beginning of the video, I teach you the six punches. So nothing too complicated, just six basic punches that most people can do. And a little bit of exercises that you can do at home, on the floor, 15 minutes, in and out. Again, no fitness level needed. Equipment? Go at your own pace. No, no equipment. No, you don't need any equipment. You can grab some small light weights for your hands if you want some with cans boxing. cans of tomato if you want. Exactly. <laughs> no, yeah, that, that's perfect. Yeah, cans of uh, food or small water bottles or something. But no, nothing, nothing needed. Um, tell us a little bit more around, I guess, that community piece. What's it been like seeing everyone come together in Studio City? Well, it's absolutely fantastic. It's the best part of what I do. And, uh, you know, we opened just after lockdown. Mm-hmm. So we've been open two years now. And we we uh, we grew with the people. And a funny story, our tagline when we started was find your inner hero. And to be honest, that was just some nonsense that I come up with in my mind. But the members, bearing in mind they come in straight after lockdown, kept saying, this is my therapy. This is my therapy. This is my therapy. And I kept hearing it over and over to the point where I couldn't ignore it anymore. So our tagline now is boxing is therapy. And that's a big aspect of what we and do. And that's not about, you know, beating seven shades out of anybody. It's about connecting with yourself and your ability and feeling stronger, presumably. That's what people are getting out of it. It's just uplifting, uplifting people, bettering their lives. And the therapy aspect, there is something special about actually punching. You know, it just makes, it's just like an absolute release really? of, of stress. You say this as someone who was um, in the elite Royal Marines. <laughs> you've got, you've got some stuff to work through. Is boxing helping yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I work through my own issues every time I go to work. Yeah. But no, it is uh, very therapeutic. And what about demographic then? You know, I think about a boxing gym and I've been to quite a few in the past um, because my husband did a lot of white collar boxing. And Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. I was just talking to the guys earlier. We met. And he was training for the white collar boxing, which meant we went on lots of dates where he was eating chicken breast and broccoli. And I was like, well, this is fun, isn't it? Um, But I think about these kind of gritty, masculine, you know, 
I, and don't get me wrong, there is massively a place for that. Sweaty, bloody, stinky. Yeah, a bit, al- yeah, a bit kind of like Alcos deep, you know, yeah. can't, can't, get, can't get parking. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. staring at you. Yeah. You sound like the other end of the scale to this. Yeah, that's what we've tried to, to open up is a place that's a little bit, um, it's very clean, upscale, makes you feel very comfortable. The washrooms are, are okay, okay, nice. That was my other question. Good music, tick. Now, not this is concern, concern you, but do you have hair dryers? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, in the ladies. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Hey, guys might want to. They do. Yeah, I don't have that. Uh, that I, I don't it's not on your wish list. Agency, but. Um, I had a question here saying, "What about timings of classes?" Good question. How flexible are you in terms of the schedule throughout the yeah, day? Yeah, I mean, the first class starts at six a.m. and the last class is at eight p.m. and pretty much all the way through the morning and all the way through the afternoon and evening, we've got packed, absolutely packed classes. We've got, um, you know. Almost 20 classes a day some days wow. with all the different concepts we've got. But just goes to show you've tapped into something that people are really responding to. So Yeah, well, it's just, it's, like you said, typically the boxing gym would be for, um, I say guys and girls, but typically guys, you would walk into a boxing gym and see lots of men. They would actually be punching each other and they would be, you know, screaming, shouting and actually training to fight someone. We're boxing without the bruises. We don't do any sparring. We don't do any fighting. We're just about the fitness and the the mental health aspects of punching something or boxing without the you know side effects of walking around with a concussion. Black eye. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just very quickly, what are some of the health benefits of boxing aside from the, the mental release? What kind of body workout are we going to be getting with your with, with your session on the Dubai Eye website, or indeed when we when we yeah the with the Dubai Eye one and what we do at Boxker, you're going to get a full body workout that mixes resistance training with um, cardiovascular training. So it's really a mix of everything and obviously boxing coordination and, and all the mental aspects that you spoke about. So it's really a full body all in workout. For anyone that wants to come along and join you, what's the best way of getting in touch? Yeah, check us out on Instagram, Boxica, go on our website, boxica.ae and everything's there. Brilliant. Star, star. Thank you so much. And thank you for the amazing job you've done on this video. I think uh, I think I might. They're going to love it. I'm, no, I'm excited to give it a try myself. I really am because I feel like sometimes you can't get to the gym. Sometimes you can't work it into your, into your schedule. So we'll do something from home. And as I said, with some really tried and trusted experts, it's been it's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming to the studio. Thank you, Maybe I'll come to your studio next. Yes, soon. Very soon. <laughs> we will see. Cyrus from Boxcut joining us. Don't forget, head over to the Dubai Eye website, DubaiEye1038.com for your chance to look back on all of the workouts we've done so far and a try a brand new one too. And thank you for downloading this episode of the Afternoons with Helen Farmer podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe. You'll get direct to your phone as soon as it's out. And you can listen to me live on Dubai Eye 103.8, Monday to Friday between 2 and 5 p.m. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.